Good morning and welcome to worship. If you happen to be joining for the first time today, I'm Pastor Ann and I am honored and blessed to serve alongside Pastor Andy here at the Way Woodstock. We're glad you're here and we want you to know that you're always welcome to be here with us, to be a part of what God is doing in and through this community of faith at the Way Woodstock, where we are indeed committed to sharing in hope, living with purpose for the sake of others. Today we continue in our series, our summer series, looking at the words of Jesus, the words that he actually spoke to those people around him. Now, I don't know about you, but I have definitely been challenged by some of these words already. And, you know, Jesus doesn't mess around. He pretty much lays things straightforward. Um, His messaging is sometimes... You know, we look at it sometimes and we go, well, well, wait a minute, what's he really saying here? But if we really delve into it, if we really spend some time with it, he will show us what he means by it. So we're going to see today that he doesn't mess around with the words. And it's always important for us to remember that what Jesus is saying, he came for a purpose and his words were always spoken with purpose. So please turn with me to the book of Luke, the ninth chapter, verses 57 to 62, and let's listen to the words of Jesus this morning. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury the dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Dear most gracious God, we just ask that you open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to receive the word that you have for us today. So Lord, uh, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. My Lord and my God. Amen. From the very first words, we see that Jesus is once again on the move. If we back up in this scripture just a little bit, a few verses, we'll see that Jesus has set his face toward Jerusalem. Jesus knows where he's going and he knows what will take place there. He's already told his disciples what is about to take place, what's going to happen. A couple of weeks ago, we heard Jesus warn his disciples of what would happen when he arrived in Jerusalem in Matthew sixteen twenty one. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. In today's text, we see Jesus again trying to prepare his disciples for what lies ahead. 
they probably do not have any idea about the depth of commitment that is going to be needed as they face what's to come. I think the same is probably true for us today as well. To truly follow Jesus to the cross and to continue to be his disciples in our world, we too need to be deeply committed. In the verses that preceded today's reading, Jesus and his disciples had entered into a village in Samaria, but the Samaritans would not receive him because they knew that Jesus was headed to Jerusalem. So we see that Jesus and his disciples had just been rejected by the Samaritans. And this was just the beginning of the rejection and the persecution that those early disciples would face. As we seek to follow our Lord, we too may find ourselves facing rejection and persecution. Are we ready for that? In these six short verses, we see that there are three people who are expressing a desire to become followers of Jesus. And Jesus responds to each one of them in an attempt to prepare them for what might lie ahead if they do choose to follow him. The first person proclaims, I'll follow you wherever you go. Now, that seems like a pretty solid statement of discipleship and commitment. But Jesus responds to him with these words. Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. In this response, it seems that Jesus is warning this person to count the cost of following him. There may be a lot of uncertainty. There may be the need to rely on the hospitality of others. Jesus seems to be making it clear that he is totally dependent and trusting God to move in the hearts of others to make provision for him. Is this person willing to live with the uncertainty? Not knowing what tomorrow holds? Is he willing to become totally dependent on God? Are we? To the second person, Jesus takes the initiative and he extends the invitation. Follow me. And this person responds with these words. Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Now, the response of Jesus here may shock us. He says, let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Now, these words might seem harsh. But what is Jesus really saying to this guy? Some people think that that this person is simply asking for more time before he follows Jesus. That maybe his father's not dead or his father's not even sick yet. So he's waiting. He's wanting Jesus to, I'll come follow you down the road. But could it be more? Could it be that Jesus is pointing out to this person that in everything, 
there's a crucial moment. And if we allow that moment to pass, the thing before us might never be done at all. I vividly remember my struggle with being called into pastoral ministry. I never saw myself as a preacher. I really thought that God had called me into the counseling ministry. I had two years left in the school system as a school counselor before I would receive full retirement benefits. And I was really struggling with taking a pretty big cut in order to go and take a chance on becoming a preacher. Because, you see, I saw it as taking a chance. I didn't think that was something I could ever do. I prayed and I struggled. And finally, I came to the place where I realized that if I didn't step out at that point, it probably wouldn't happen. It was my crucial moment. Would I trust that God was calling me into something I didn't have any trust that I could do? Would I trust that he would provide for my future? Where did my security come from? What was really important to me? Might Jesus be confronting this man in a like manner? Might Jesus be confronting this would-be disciple and us to look at what is the most important thing in our life? Does God sit on the throne of our hearts? Are our human relationships more important than God? And what is he calling us to? Remember when asked about the greatest commandment, Jesus responded with these words. The most important one, Jesus answered, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is The Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Could it be that Jesus is asking us to examine our commitment to God and our willingness to not let anyone or anything stand in the way of our accomplishing what God is calling us to do. The third person has what seems to be a simple request. I'll follow you, Lord, but let me first go back and say goodbye to my family. Now, the response of Jesus to this simple, simple request of just going back And saying bye seems harsh because he replies, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. This definitely seems harsh to me. He's saying you're not fit to be in the service of God if you look back. This person simply wants to go and say goodbye. And what about this illustration of a plow? What is, what's that? 
Well, it was common knowledge that a farmer could not plow a straight row looking back over his shoulder. He had to keep his eyes forward in order for that row to be straight. Looking back would always result in a crooked row. Could it be that Jesus is confronting us with our tendency to look back and stay stuck in our past? Whether our past was what we consider to be good or bad, could it be that Jesus is encouraging this follower and us to stay forward-focused, to put first things first, to stay focused on the kingdom of God? And how God would not only make our path straight, but how he also desires to make all things new. I was driving back from visiting with my sister in the hospital on Friday, and I heard a song that just really spoke to me. And it's a contemporary song, and the name of it is First Things First. And I want to read a a few verses of it because I think it fits so beautifully with today's message. All the things that I have held dear, the vanities that whispered in my ear, what would I do if they all disappeared? Riches and fame and all that they could buy, I've come to find they never satisfy. What would I gain if my soul's the price? I don't want to love what the world loves. I don't want to chase what the world chases. I only want you. I only want you first things first. I seek your will, not my own. Surrender all my wants to you. Keep the first thing first. To live your truth, walk your ways, Set my eyes, Lord, I fix my face on you, all my desires reversed, to keep the first thing first. I give it all, my life an offering, my heart is yours, so have your way in me. Your kingdom's all I want to see, I don't want to love what the world loves, I don't want to chase what the world does. I only want you. I only want you. First things first, I seek your will, not my own. Surrender all my wants to you. Keep the first thing first. Now, all of these possible followers of Jesus had a significant decision to make. We, too, at different times in our lives have significant decisions to make. Early on in our faith journey, our decision is one of learning. We want to seek to learn more about Scripture. We want to seek to know more about the church and what it means to be a child of God and to be part of the body of Christ, the church. We learn about the love of God as demonstrated in the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. But as we grow in maturity, we begin to understand that this is not just a private journey with God. There comes a point, if it's not already come, it's coming, 
there comes a point when we are given the opportunity to choose to fully accept Jesus, not only as the Savior of our soul, but also as the Lord of our life. Our lives begin to reflect into our world the truth of who we are in Christ. We have a new identity in him, and the world begins to see it. We begin to walk with Jesus daily, not just in the morning when we're doing our devotionals, but throughout the day. As we face difficult things, we allow his words, the Holy Spirit, to remind us of his words that guide us, not only in our actions, but in our thoughts as well. During our journey, we meet challenges that give us the chance to examine ourselves and see how God wants to move in and through our lives more fully. Each of these potential followers of Jesus had the opportunity to examine themselves. And it was apparent in their interactions with Jesus that they had a number of priorities in their life And each one of them had to put something ahead of their desire to follow the Lord, even though they proclaimed a desire to follow him. These last few weeks, as we've been looking at Jesus' words, I've been reminded of a book that I read many years ago entitled, Not a Fan, Becoming a Completely Committed Follower of Jesus. A book's by Kyle Eidelman. He states that the dictionary defines fan as an enthusiastic admirer. And then he goes on to state that fans want to be close enough to Jesus to get all the benefits, but not so close that it requires sacrifice. And then Eidelman challenges his readers to extend to examine their standing. If you want a book that'll challenge you, you might want to check that one out. Not a fan. Jesus was all in. He knew about the sacrifice that he's gonna, he was going to be called to make, and he was fully, fully, fully committed, fully committed to embrace the cross for the sake of the world and for the sake of you and for the sake of me. God's love, as shown to us in the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, is so very different from our human conceptions of love. In our own faith journeys, there will come a time when it is necessary for us to declare our allegiance. We will be given that opportunity to answer the question, Who or what occupies the throne of my heart? Our Christian journey does not require that we reject our responsibilities to family and vocation. Rather, our Christian journey encourages us to a much broader perspective, one in which our God demonstrates his love more fully and we demonstrate our love more completely as we live into his purposes for our life. Is this an easy life? We're going to answer that question another day. But I can tell you this today. 
It is an incredible way of life, even with its challenges. God is good all the time. We just have to keep our eyes focused on him in the midst of whatever comes our way. And it's important for us to always ask ourselves and to ask God, Lord, what are you calling me to in the midst of this? Whatever the circumstance is, Lord, what are you calling me to here? God is good. And he's always at work in our lives, giving us opportunities to grow in the likeness of his son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So don't look back. Look forward. Keep your eyes on the kingdom of God. May our commitments to following Jesus always keep us looking forward, walking with him daily and regardless of what comes our way. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Dear most gracious God, we thank you, Lord, that you are with us always. You promised that you would never forsake us. So, Lord, even in those hard times when we sometimes struggle with what's going on inside of us on a human level, help us to continue to keep our eyes on you to help us to continue to ask you for whatever it is we need during those times, whether it's strength, whether it's comfort, whether it is provision, Lord, that we continue to keep our eyes focused straight along ahead so that our paths may indeed be straight with you. So, Lord, we thank you that you are always at work, always good, and we bow before you. We thank you, and it is in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit we pray. Amen.